Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, episode 59. As always, we've got Anthony Pierleone coming in the upper left-hand corner, all goofy and opera singing. Down in the bottom left, we've got Kevin Minto and our special guest, the lovely Casey Leone, joins us tonight to talk Terrapins. Thanks for joining us tonight, Casey. We're super glad to have you here. Excited to be here. You don't sound it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I was kidding. Just for the record, right before we came on here, Steve called you pretty, and then he called you lovely. And your husband is right there. <laughs> if you were looking for drama on your podcast, you found it. You got it. And we're 12 seconds in. This is riveting. <laughs> this is the face I said I was going to make when something interesting was happening. Yeah, Anthony, you've already made me start sweating. <laughs> good, good. Now you know how I feel. Okay, good. I'm just kidding. You're a mother of two. You know what it feels like to sweat for no reason. Yeah. And you do work in the field with terrapins, with, with biting midges. Oh my gosh, and the flies and the mosquitoes. Did we and do that? Can we open the show talking about biting midges? Uh, Matt Holly, why not? Let's talk about biting midges. Casey, take it away. Um, if you do not cover yourself from head to toe, like scalp under your clothes, everything, they will get you. They find where it's not and they get you. Right? In between your fingers, your eyelids. Oh. Yeah. We're gonna get if into I this. wear my glasses, the flies will go like into like where my glasses are. It's pretty rough. It's incredible. And yeah. and let's just start with that. Letting people know that this woman is a rock star. <laughs> Chris is a rock star in a different way. Yeah. Casey is a rock star in a battling bug overlord way. Yeah, so sometimes I look a little crazy because I'm like this down the road, but I went and helped you guys out one time, and I, I couldn't handle it. Like, I'm a large, I like to think I'm a strong man. Like, my kids think <laughs> I'm Superman. I'm obviously not. But, man, I couldn't handle those bugs for, like, a day. That was well, something. They're, they're attracted to dark colors, and I didn't know oh. that. So I made dark T-shirts. And um, the bed of the truck that I work in is also black. So, mm -hmm. Be like we're attracting them. <laughs> so that's, that's why we're going with white. Yes, we're gonna do white t-shirts this year. Definitely. I thought it was like a I don't know like a clean linen like rap video like R Kelly type look like with all white. <laughs> no. No, it actually is supposed to help like not attract them as much. Mm -hmm. um, where I work, all the clammers and crabbers drive past me all the time, and they just, like, roll down their windows and laugh at me. They're like, you gotta wear white. <laughs> and I look at them like, yes, now I know. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah. Oh, all that time you were wearing the Terrapin t-shirts, trying to let people know what was happening. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about what, why we're talking about these bugs, right? Steve? Yeah, and I was actually, Casey, where do you want to start? You want to start with the big announcement, or you want to lead up to that? Um, yeah, I mean, it, would, it doesn't matter to me. We can start with the, the big change this year. Um, we've added two new major locations to the project, so we'll cover three times as much territory. 
which is super exciting. Um, we've connected with the Marine Mammal Stranding Center, um, which is a really awesome rescue um, down by us. And we are changing the name from the Terrapin Nesting Project to the Terrapin Conservation Initiative. Um, we're hoping to not only focus on nests and pit tagging females, but we're also going to try to do a little bit more with the rescue situation and intervene a little bit more with the public um, because that seems to be a big controversy when they're coming up in these beach towns. Um, people see a turtle on the road and they say, oh my gosh, it needs help. And they don't usually need help. And they end up, hey, I have this cap and what do I do with it? So we're hoping to kind of intervene a little more this year. But really exciting stuff. That's awesome. That's really awesome. This is the first time hearing about it, so I have a lot of questions. Oh, about. okay. Yeah, go Which for it. Which is perfect. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so the two new sites, are they, since so I've been to the first site, like how close are they to that site? Um, so from where we were the last two seasons, um, one of the locations is probably within like five to eight miles. Um, and then the other location is going to be... Um, probably like a 15 minute drive for us, but the other location is in one of the shore towns. So it's a highly populated area. Sure. Um, it'll be a little bit of a different situation over there. Now, you've already like essentially vetted these places. You've seen the animals come up in these areas. It's not just like off thought process right now. Right, yeah. No, I know where, where we're going definitely needs a helping hand, yeah. Um, where the first location was, it's, it's um, you've seen it's kind of smack in the middle of a, the wildlife refuge, but where mm -hmm. I am, it's public, so that's why there's such an issue there. Um, but the major new location we added is, uh, essentially, there's nothing left for the terrapins to nest in, and they're coming up and just, they're in the road. They're in people's driveways, and there's nowhere for them to go. So... I'll be interested to see what the population status is in the new location. Yeah. Yeah, the whole bay is blocked. So they once they're up and they start moving, there's like, um, I think I've mapped three places, possible places for them to actually nest, and they're very far from each other and very small. So. Okay. Do you think it's possible that females are digging up other nests as they're trying to lay, the, like what happens in Arribata with sea turtles? Absolutely. And I also think that, um, like I said, I'm not sure what the population status is on the island, but there's not a huge chance for them to actually successfully incubate their nest and hatch to successfully because everything is concrete. There's That's like a, incredible. a few areas. Yeah. So you can tell that, you know, the terrapins that I've encountered, it's funny in my two other locations, um, because I, I researched my second area uh, before I applied for it on the permit. And it's in very close proximity to each other. But never did I scan a female on the new location that I had already scanned on my location. They're all new females. So it seems that these terrapins are going up on the same areas every year. So with this, this large location that's all concrete, I'm thinking that... Um, you know, these terrapins are coming up and trying, but I don't know what their success rate is, but they just keep coming back. So hopefully I can train them into finding a new area for them to actually come up and, and dig. So 
So um, since we jumped into everything really quickly because I started talking about bugs, uh, biting midges to be exact, uh, just to give everyone a quick idea of what's happening here, we're talking with Casey Leone. She runs the Terrapin Nesting Project Leeds Point, which is changing now. We just showed the logo. It'll now be called the Terrapin Conservation Initiative. I knew that, but I didn't feel comfortable. I, didn't, I wasn't confident enough. But um, Casey is Casey Leone. You may notice the last name is married to Chris Leone, um, who's sitting behind her because he is an overbearing husband who wants to <laughs> do something on her own. As you can see, I wanted him here. We're a team. Oh, what did you say? <laughs> this is so great. I love you guys so much. We're gonna have a lot of fun. Um, it's always fun when we have like real friends on the podcast and everyone we have on are, are friends and some of them become better friends when we have them on, but there's no way to become better friends with these guys because they're the best. So Casey, before we get more into your project, and I think we'll talk about it throughout the entire broadcast here, but um, tell us a little bit about yourself because I know um, when I was just kind of coming up in this turtle world and kind of trying to figure out something we've talked about a ton on the podcast before is you're you're trying to find kind of where you fit in and what your niche will be that's one of the first things steve and i really started to bond over were those conversations uh, really early on in our friendship and partnership so um can you tell us a little bit about your background like what you went to school for what you did professionally before yeah. stuff like that sure um first and foremost um, I am so much more comfortable with a shovel and hay bales than I am with computers and people <laughs> or, uh, an animal person. I always have been, uh, my whole life, but I did go to school for art history and photography. Um, and then I was a floral designer for four years. Um, I fell in love with that. That was awesome. It was a Floral design and farming. Um, and then Chris and I were together through floral design. But I also helped him with uh, Garden State Forest, and he kind of introduced me to the total world. Um, and we kind of built Garden State Forest together. I was, you know, his support system through everything. And I was the wife that said, yes, 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 you know. <laughs> Can I get more turtles? Yes. So important. Um, <laughs> and then I got a job with Six Flags Safari, which was heaven. I absolutely love it there. Um, and that exposed me to a lot more of um, a variety of animals. I was able to work with a lot of different exotics. Um they also had Aldabra tortoises that I just, that was it for me. Um, yeah, my my wedding gift from Chris was an Aldabra tortoise that we still have. So um, those, they'll always be special to me. I'm going to get up, an Aldabra tortoise, I think. I just decided. You're getting one? one? <clears throat> I'm going to get my Shannon one. You're going to, uh, for your 10th anniversary, Aww, right? I love it. I think so. I'm going to do it. Good idea. Continue, please. I've been talking to Chris about it for little bit yeah right yeah i was uh also exposed to animal training which i fell in love with um everything about that job was just kind of like it sealed the deal for me um, Before you go on, i'm sorry to inter interject 
your favorite your favorite animal to work with at Six Flags. You're basically a zookeeper, right? You're basically yeah, a zookeeper. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, uh, favorite species? You have to pick. I think, I think working with um, brown bear was probably my favorite. And but we didn't do a lot of training with them. We just kind of you know took care of them. The we worked with the bear cubs. Um, probably the barn owls. I loved working with raptors. That was really cool. Um, and we also a unique experience that isn't very common. I got to work with a um, a giant anteater. Mm. We were able to train him. He was harness trained, kennel trained. I mean, he was really really cool to work with. And Someone then from the, that up too. What's that? Someone from the chat just said anteater. So I'm assuming it's somebody you know. Uh Bridget Auletta. I don't know if I'm saying yeah. that right. Yeah. Oh Bridget. In -law. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, and then I worked up at Turtleback Zoo very briefly. I had a very long commute. So I was there for a very brief amount of time. Um, but there we also got to work with a lot of different raptors like burrowing owls and screech owl or um Eastern screech owls and lots of cool stuff. And then uh, and we had kids and I stayed home. And that's kind of where the Tampa project kind of jumps into place. So that's where that's I'm awesome. at. That's awesome. I think this is so great because a lot of people will see on social media, like Chris shares a lot of photos of you and the girls and things like that, which is awesome. Um, but you're definitely the more quieter out of the public eye member of your partnership team relationship <laughs> so it's really cool to have you um to have you on the show tonight and it's also really cool to see what you're doing with the terrapin project um kind of taking it and running with it um that wasn't necessarily the plan from the beginning was it was it or um something maybe you were going to do together it's like you know what this is casey's no we were interested together with it um, but then once we started and we like just sort of started getting involved, I like kind of became possessive <laughs> and then he said, fine, fine, you run it, you run it, it's your project. And then I just, I kind of snatched it up. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. So let's talk, let's talk more about the project and thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your background so people know, I think that's really important. Um, <clears throat> so we're going out, tell me what I forget, but I've been there too. So we're going out and we are looking for nesting females. When they come up, you're, you're letting them do their thing, right? You're making sure that they can lay, the, lay their eggs. You don't want to just get excited, grab the first female you see because maybe she hasn't laid yet and now you just scared her and it's going to take her several more days to circle around before she resurfaces again and decides to find a place to dig her nest. Maybe by that time she's more desperate and she picks a bad spot or a spot where there's more predation or whatever. So you're letting her do her thing. When you see a female who does her thing, you're grabbing her quick, checking her for a microchip. If she doesn't have one, you're, you're putting a microchip and you're taking note of where you're seeing nests so that you can go back and you're collecting whatever eggs you can for artificial incubation so that you can hatch the terrapins. You're not head-starting them. You're just right. releasing without feeding, right? Yeah. So what did I miss? So I essentially 
you yes, you've gotten the gist of it. The only time that I intervene with a female if I see her and I haven't seen her nest is if she's in the middle of the road and it's a um, busy time of day. Like if it's early morning, I'll let them kind of crisscross and find a spot because these females have probably a foot or so on either side of the road to nest. Um, so I do a lot of observation. Um, and then if they do come up into the parking lot, there's like a huge gravel parking lot at the end of the, the uh, road. I just grab them right away because they, they can't nest in that. It's yeah. very, very, very rare that they do. Um, so those ones I will just pick up. I'll palpate. I'll process them. And I find I have like a, a safe zone that I that I put them into nest. Um, and then as far as processing goes, I'm taking note, like I'm taking pictures now of every single female. I take note of their injuries, especially their injuries, because I'm finding it fascinating to see what they've been able to overcome themselves so that hopefully we can stop this, like rushing them to the vet. Um, Cause sometimes they don't, most of the time they don't need it and it, um, it'll kind of steal their fate. Um, and then we, yeah, we pit tag. Um, if they have laid their eggs already, we release them right back into the bay. And if they need to lay, I find them a safe spot. Very interesting. Now you talked about sealing their fate. So you're talking about like an injured female who maybe needs vet care, maybe doesn't, and you'd rather let them go on their way instead of giving them the stress of pulling them out, keeping them in captivity for a time, poking them with different things. And am I, am I right on that? Yeah. So, um, I, I've got a ton of, of females that come up that from, from previous seasons that I've seen them with fresh wounds, they come up, they're fine. They're healthy weight, they're hydrated, they can dig nests, they're perfect. So, so I have females with cracked plastrons that you would swear, oh my gosh, it needs help because it looks scary. Mm -hmm. But that same female will come up three weeks later for a second clutch and she's completely healed and there's no infection. There's no issues. Mm -hmm. She can swim. Um, there's females with their front legs ripped off. There's one legged back, you know, one back leg is missing and they can still nest. So it's just interesting to find out, you know, what they can recover from on their own. And it's frustrating when and it, it's not that I don't appreciate the public saying, oh, my gosh, that turtle needs help. But it's it's the understanding, like yes, if it was a human with their front, you know, their their arms ripped off, no, they're not going to make it. But for some reason, these girls just keep pushing through. It's it's just unbelievable. That's incredible. One of the things that was really striking to me, and just for the record, Kevin is a is a um, terrapin expert, so I'm sure he'll have a million questions. I'm not putting you on uh, any pressure on you. I know you're working the chat right now, <laughs> Kevin, which is awesome. But um, I. Do Hey, I'm not an expert by any means. I'm just, I, it's my favorite species, but by no means I'm an expert. They know much more than I do. I don't know which way I'm pointing actually towards them. So one of these ways. <laughs> don't, be, don't be so modest. Okay. Listen, I am We're using not the an expert. expert loosely. Yes, you are an expert. You run a multifaceted project in situ with a, a very important native species. You guys can um, all stop. Everyone I'm always learning. I will forever <clears throat> always be learning. So. Truth. So um, there's actually been a hey, real quick. I want to say this. one thing before we uh, jump into any other ways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a comment. It's 
if you look for it, it's not there, but it's from Shannon Perleone. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to uh, she wanted to thank her husband for redoing her bathroom. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, is this genuine? Because I don't want to make you know a scene. She's like, no, it's genuine. <laughs> she said she was going to send one in and say um, for Casey that said, uh, "Why won't you call me back?" <laughs> oh, she so doesn't call anybody back, back Shannon. Yeah. That's hilarious. That's too good. I, d- I did redo my wife's uh, bathroom this weekend. And it's so I had no weekend. Literally, from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to sleep both weekend days, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying I worked really hard. And I'm fat and old and bald. And I, I struggled through it a lot. And I'm huge. And I'm in this little bathroom where, like, every time I turn, I hip check a wall. Like, it's an issue. And, and so maybe, maybe I didn't go to work today because I couldn't get my fat old ass out of bed. And was having issues. So, yeah, maybe. So, thanks, honey. She's upstairs. She'll send you a picture. It's very nice. It's very nice. She's not watching. She doesn't watch. Yeah, she prefers. Where I was going with my whole Kevin is a Terrapin guy, not expert, excuse me, don't want to trigger anybody here, um, is that when we see them in captivity, we get used to a certain look to the animal, right? So <laughs> I'm thinking namely like like adult females because that's what we're seeing it with your project. And I've seen so many and I thought I knew what an adult female Diamondback Terrapin was until I went out with you guys and was able to actually experience it. These are huge animals, most of them with really, really smooth shells and large macrocephalic heads from chewing on hard-shelled food items. Like, they are so, like, not captive terrapins. And it's really, really cool to see. And I also think it's interesting because you guys have a very strong kind of captive part to what you're doing with Chris with Garden State Tortoise. Can you speak a little bit to, like, A, what it's like to see those wild females as compared to what you were used to in the hobby? And then also the bigger item kind of what how you guys kind of compartmentalize what you're doing the important work that you're doing there and then the important work that you're doing with captive projects and how the two don't mix right because are there outsiders whoever give you guys a hard time like you're in new jersey you're able to work with these animals and then you know you're selling some species that are native to jersey and stuff like that like talk about your relationship with the new jersey fish and wildlife and how important it is for you guys to do things the right way i'm sorry that was such a multifaceted question (laughs) i had like 12 different parts so just take whatever piece of that you wanted i assume probably the latter i will actually start with saying that um new jersey fish and wildlife is awesome um they work so close with us and a lot of other projects and they work so close with garden state tortoise um they're amazing they want they want to work with people who are on the ground who see it who know what's going on um so i will say that they're just they're amazing and thank god that they're you know the way they are because they're it's comforting to have them be that involved and have them say yeah we like what you guys do. We respect that you have a lot of knowledge and we, we want to, you know, network essentially so that, you know, they have, they have us really close. They're, they're a very 
very special, unique fish and wildlife agency. And, you know, from, from being active in both sides now, the way they are, the way they handle things when it comes to the captive keeping and breeding of native species or, or exotic species. And then like Casey just said, with being, you know, trusting people that have seen things on the ground, mm -hmm. have the knowledge of turtles to begin with, they see value in the things that a lot of fishing and wildlife agencies don't yeah. and other agencies should learn from them because they're the way that they operate, the way they do things is what's going to give these animals a fighting chance Absolutely. because they're being transparent, which invites the people that they're willing to work with to be nothing less than transparent with them. You know, there's no surprises from either end. And, you know, you, you just, you have a different kind of feel with, with working with them. You know, we do, we do stuff with, with, you know, we do work with the federal government too, you know, and they have their, their pros and cons, but you know, New Jersey fish and wildlife is, they seem, they seem to have it figured out. They, they seem to know how, how we, how can we make things work so that we can actually save turtles? We um we take in animals from all over. Um, so we do see a lot of of animals that are have been in captivity that we can tell were captive bred, or we can tell that somebody picked it up and brought it home for their kid, and now they can't house it anymore. So I mean, we see a lot of different situations where terrapins and and a, a lot of different kinds of of turtles. Um, were wild caught or captive bred and it, it is it's interesting for me because i am more in the conservation part of things so i see like you said a lot of wild animals that are these hardy monsters that 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 just they're just remarkable and then i see captive bred animals and i'm like oh wow like big difference it's crazy what 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 a difference it can be um and also where i am i mean these terrapins are, they come up jet black or they come up pearly white or they come up all these different crazy colors and patterns. And it's really cool to see that too. But you did ask me like 15 questions in like 20 seconds. So yeah. can you like refresh me a little bit? <laughs> no, I forgot everything. I forgot it all. Okay. I'm totally lost. I, black, I blacked out. Do you remember any of the other things that he said? Yeah. I blacked out. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. Let me reframe it in this way. How many times has has a person from New Jersey Fish and Wildlife been to your property? Both this house and the last. Well, we've had a um, <laughs> we've had a couple of visits. Um Yeah. We're working very closely with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, can't we can't say too much, but we work very closely with them. Um, in terms of poaching and just monitoring the areas that we're in. Um, so they're, they've made themselves very accessible to us if we mm -hmm. need them or, you know, if we need to report things, um, or if we have any questions on what we should do in certain situations. Um, but we, yeah, we've had a couple of visits, you know, and tours. We've given them tours. Yeah, tours, yeah. tours too. That's so cool. I think that's great. And I, I, on every level. Um, I know you've been able to help them out with some confiscations because not that I can say that. Um, can I say that? Uh, maybe, sorry. Uh, but, but the point being, because of the capacity you have both as Garden State Tortoise and then Casey that you have is running this project, you are like this, you know, 
double-headed monster for them that is just like the strongest best thing since sliced bread and and it takes an organization an agency like new jersey has put together with their fish and wildlife to make it happen because i see it here in connecticut i've talked about it a lot of times on this show that there's just nobody and you try to reach out to people there's there's no one that specializes in turtles and there's just not a lot. Sometimes I'll answer an email, but that's maybe about it. Like, the people in New Jersey are on top of it. They know what's going on. They're getting a yearly report of what you have in captivity. They're stopping by for things or whatever. They're involved. They're talking to you, Casey, so that they can actually see the good work that you're doing and say, wow, these are people who we really could benefit from having on our side as part of our mission. And then that's how this grows, in addition to you guys being wonderful intelligent, hardworking, you know, ambassadors for, <laughs> for turtles, right? Mostly well, you know, to tie, to tie into that, I, this year, um, had asked online on Facebook um, and Instagram I, that I was looking for volunteers, and I actually got a lot of people that volunteer for Fish and Wildlife that want to volunteer for me, which I think is so cool. So now, you know, uh, between last year and this year, I'll have some volunteers that are actually doing both, which I, I, I'm more than happy to say, yes, please, let's cool. connect it. Let's, let's bridge the gap and, you know, keep it going. Keep That's that really relationship true. going. That's nice because that means they've already been vetted too, which is huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very important. Steve doesn't trust people. <laughs> I don't either. I'm with them. I trust everyone. I trust people until they give me reason not to. That goes back to making sure that, you know, we keep the relationship with Fish and Wildlife yeah. transparent and strong. And, and you know, we, that's why she vets <laughs> the volunteers so thoroughly. And, you know, they have to be able to follow instructions immediately off the bat. You know, like the simple request that she might make that you have to file with us to be even considered. If you can't even meet that, you, you know, I'm going to get a message back at that point. Because our relationship with the state is so important because if it goes south, well, unfortunately, too, you know, um, I would like to shout out the Terrapin Nesting Project on LBI. Um, the wonderful project. Kathy Lacey is unbelievable what she does and what she has done on the island. Um, she's able to connect an entire community with kids and families and, and this, this, like, family beach town. And um, I, where I am, I can't do that because... The areas are much more private, and there's what? Maven. Yeah. Um, it's more of a secluded area, so it's much easier for poachers and people who aren't supposed to be there or people who interfere when they shouldn't. Um, so that's why I have to go through such a grueling process to get the right people that can come and help me. It's also a dangerous area because it's all on these busy roads, so... And don't take my comment the wrong way. When I say I trust people until they give me a reason not to, what I'm basically saying is I should not be in charge of a project like guys are, is what I'm saying. I am not emotionally or intellectually fit to do what you do. That's what I'm saying. So it was kind of a, yeah, shout out to you for being great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, I think you're great, Anthony. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. I wanted a compliment from Lisa Leone on the air here. Yeah. I wanted everyone to see it. Take note, everyone. 
Thank you. Anthony's great. Thank you. We're just like 31 minutes into the podcast. That's all it took. So great time to remind people, if you're really excited about what Casey's doing, you can hop over to theturtleroom.com slash conservation, and you can click on a page specifically for the Terrapin Conservation Initiative and donate to the project and Got actually it. become part of the team of heroes that are making the project happen. Wow. Those are strong words. Yeah, that's You just got called a hero. You didn't want to call an expert, now you're a hero. Yeah. Hero's probably more fitting. I don't know. You're both. I am saying it right now. You're both a hero and an expert. But... Listen, you guys are... I'm flattered, but I am not an expert. I'm just working on it. <laughs> we see it every day. I like to be outside. I like the heat. You know, a little bit of everything. It's hot. Gross. <laughs> Yeah. Gross. So that's one of the things, though. Um, there's been actual st studies done on this. People who are actually experts are more likely to not necessarily call themselves experts and are more willing to recognize they still have more to learn. Yeah. yeah. So saying you have more to learn is part of being an expert. Exactly. In See, thank opinion. you. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Good points. Good point. That's what I was saying, but not saying. Exactly. The experts yes. know enough to know they need to learn more. Because yeah. you're smart. Yeah. I like so, that. Yeah, the newspaper came here right now. Kevin Minto, like it or not, is an expert. You've read a couple books, kept them in captivity, worked with them in, in the field. You're, you're an expert, man. I got to get you to come down, Kevin. I'll be there this summer. If, you're, if you'll have me, I'll be there this summer. I will this is have great. you. Connections being made on the podcast, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Oh my gosh, I would love it. Awesome. I, can that bring me back uh, to questions I had before about the other two sites? Yeah, yeah. You were saying course. you were saying that one of them is so like tightly condensed with population of people, I guess, that there's no area for them to lay. Yes. Is there any way of working with like the local municipalities to carve out a section somewhere close by that's not really being utilized? Yeah. So um, where. Where it is, there's, um, I'm trying not to give away too much about where the, the location is, but um, there is definitely a very small pocket that's untouched um, towards the end of the island that we can use. Um, there's also a golf course that offers fresh water, and I'm thinking that that's probably an area where the females try to get to because um, there's elevation. Like I said, fresh water is relatively close to where they come up. Um, but then you've got to worry about lawnmowers and foot traffic and angry golfers and things like that. So um, I'm probably going to have to do a lot more networking with the locals um, this time around and see if we can come up with a way where they can live peacefully together. Because, I mean, we do a lot of work with... Um, the Marine Mammal Stranding Center and, and trying to navigate these these rescue calls that keep happening. So, are golfers usually angry? I think they would be if it affects their their game, right? I mean, oh, they're in the sand trap and they're already yeah. out, they're in there, like got their ball went in there, and now yeah. there's a female turtle in the sand trap. I mean, you who know, knows? I'll buy it. I'll buy it. <laughs> when I was when I was a kid, uh, our local golf 
excuse me, our local golf course is where we went to catch turtles, like pan turtles, things like ah, that. Ah, see? And, yeah, and we always, uh, in the ponds there, and I was always in the way of the golfers, and they were, they were honestly always really nice about it, like, hey, just oh, let us well, go. Oh, Maybe they'll be happy yeah. golfers. I don't know. <laughs> Either way. That's terrific. <laughs> That's terrific. While we have Chris and, and you on here, I'd like to talk a little bit about your relationship. And it's therapy time now. Frankly, we were hoping Chris wouldn't be here for this because it would be a lot more enjoyable. But I yeah, am very honest. Beat it. Yeah. You want it? I can yeah. We all know. We all know who the bad apple is in this relationship. So oh, let's talk about. <laughs> Chris is so used to people saying nice things about him. Cases. No, you just remember. So I, I do. I train new hires as part of my gig with VCA, and I love it. And and I go all over the Northeast, and I get so much positive, like so many positive reviews. I'm not trying to build myself up. I'm just saying it's like I'm corny. I'm over the top. I'm I'm you know I'm trying to make people have fun. So like making sure I if I've got 20 people, I order enough lunch for 60. I'm just tell, telling jokes the whole time. I'm making sure everyone gets out early. I try really hard. That's all I work for is positive feedback. And I got a negative comment was the first one. So like, and, and it's it's tricky, doesn't it? Well, let's, oh let's, my let's, God. And Chris, I'm not lying. It actually reminded me of you. No offense. No, I, I do. Because you're like, it's a Madonna thing, right? Like if 100 people are in a room, 99 love you, but then one doesn't, you're going to not be able to sleep because of the one. And that's how I thought. I walked out to the car. My wife, Shannon, actually happened to be there because I was all the way up in Syracuse, which is like a four-hour drive from here, four and a half hours doing the training. I had bronchitis. I could barely talk without coughing. I was like, feet. And I get that bad feedback. I said, Anthony is really corny. He tries to be funny, but it doesn't work. Like, it was really mean. Yeah. This is like, like one of my coworkers. Someone worked for my company. I'm like, oh my God. So I walked out and told she, and she's like, you must be crushed right now. It was so fun. <laughs> yeah. Reaction too. I can make fun of myself for it, but I just wanted to say as a disclaimer, I know what it's like to be that type of person. But YouTube helped me a lot because everyone on YouTube is just scum. Everyone just wants to tell you how much you suck. You're so ugly. You're never oh hard. Like whatever, whatever the heck they can tell you about yourself. Seriously, somebody commented about my nipples. What? Yes, man. No, no, no. This I said YouTube. You YouTube. Stay with me, guys. Anthony, whoever gave you that bad review, I. It's okay. They're inhuman. They're it's inhuman. It's okay. It's okay. I'm I old. laugh every time you open your mouth. So. Thank you. I don't know if that's good right. or bad. That's why I like to talk to you. That's why I like to talk to you. Is that not? What's up? Are those comments anonymous? Oh, yeah. But I knew who it was, but that's okay. I can tell. When some, like, after day one, someone had bought me a gift. They went to an exotic pet store that's up there, and they bought, like, a turtle shell hide. You know, you get, like, it looks like a bone. Like, yeah. Chill, but it's a hide like for a snake or whatever they went to the to the pet store that's out that way because they drove like an hour to come to my training and then it's a two-day training so on the beginning of day two they gave it to me like three of them went and bought it because they they like had so much fun we're having so much fun and i was a turtle guy and i talk about turtles obviously because that's like a, obviously my identity and um it was really like i can tell in a group of 14 people three of them bought me a gift like i can tell who the person was who thought i was a piece of crap so no big deal is what it is. <laughs> but anyway, that was just a disclaimer to get into. So, 
from the outside, you guys literally look like, like, what the heck is her name? The prince, like, like, Princess Megan, and Megan you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and what, who's she married to? One of those, one of those. Harry. Prince Harry, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or the other one too, whatever. But people look at you and say, "I'm sorry, I'm not that ignorant." I talk, I just, I, I blank for a second. I'm really not that ignorant. I'm sorry. <laughs> My daughters love the princesses, anyway. So I, but I get confused on who's who. So you guys are like the first couple. You're like, you're like homecoming king and queen of the turtle world. Okay, and. Take, just take the compliment, okay? Just um, okay. 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 Take the compliment, shut up, everybody. Okay. Okay. Yes. Your, your mom and I talk quite a bit. <laughs> oh, my God. His mom's downstairs. <laughs> Watching the kids. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> from the outside, from the outside, it, it's... Seems like, and you know, with the way social media is, obviously you're you're not sharing all the negative stuff that happens, the friction in the relationship and stuff like that. You guys have two young kids. You now have this busy project in the field, this busy business. Chris, you've been doing music stuff lately. I know you're the type of people who like to go go go, um, just from knowing you. But I think like there's got to be a lot of friction and challenges and stuff like that can you talk a little bit about that I'm not just trying to get to the to the bad stuff necessarily but <laughs> I think it's important to know too because so many of us I'm just talking in circles but so many of us have a spouse who we have to say who we have to really teach the value of this reptile stuff that we love right um, and a good spouse will try to meet you halfway but will also be the person who tries to keep your head on straight and stuff like that. And Chris, who has like over a thousand animals easily, like you have a spouse who was a zookeeper who loves the animals as much as you do. Like, I really they, want a cow. I really want a cow. I never want a cow. I want a cow really bad now. Is this like yeah. mini cows? Yeah, Which, it's an African zebu. I really want one, like really bad. What did you say, Kev? I, just, I know they have, there's horses next door, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, they don't have cows or anything? Um, it's like horse people just ride horses. Yeah, but I love that. That I get to spend Christmas with that horse. They're the best people. Yeah, yeah. What's the horse's name? Rosie. Rosie. Yeah. Rosie. Yeah. Rosie. I remember. Yeah, they they travel for Christmas, so every Christmas I get to spend with Rose. I take care of her for them. Oh, nice to see you. Yeah. So what's your way of getting a cow? I found where I can get the cows. I've been talking about it for. I don't know. You have a cow. Four years. It's called an Aldabra tortoise. <laughs> I wait, wait. When's, when's the five-year anniversary? Uh, uh, it passed. Thanks, Kev. The five-year anniversary passed. It just passed. Yeah. yeah. Good thought. Yeah, everyone knows the five-year is the cow anniversary. Everyone knows. Oh, okay. Cow year. Well, we, we, we'll be together ten years in April. Oh, we got a cow for that. Hey. I want a mini yeah. cow. I want mini goats. I want, like... I, I want it all. She wants I've never told him no. I've never you, told the, him The interesting part of this is I'm the one who wants less turtles, and you're the one who keeps telling me no. <laughs> They're answering my question without answering it. Isn't this great? Yes. <laughs> this is exactly what we wanted. Well, well, you can tell them, tell them the... Uh... Uh, we work hard all the time. Sun up and sun down. He 
has a tight chest, I have a tight chest, and then we calm each other down. It's like a balancing act that we play. Um, but we work <laughs> every day, all day. And then we go to Disney, which is not a very relaxing vacation, but we love it. And then we come back and we work. <laughs> a lot of work. Um, I love his music. I love that his music is therapy for him. Um, so I'm trying to be as supportive as I can with that because, yeah, we do. We have a five-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. Going on 17, I will say. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we've got, you know, we've got how many hundreds of live animals to care for. We've got two dogs and we live, you know, a good hour, hour and a half of family. So, you know, it's tough, but um, we just... We just do. We don't really think too much about, do we? I do. <laughs> I, just, I just wake up every day and I just, okay, what needs to happen today? Okay, let's make that happen. And that's just what we do, right? Yeah. I mean, so, you, yeah. Look, you're not saying something, so go ahead, say it. No, no, <laughs> I, I just, it, it all goes hand in hand with like some of the There's things. arguments. There's, I, I, you know, I bring, I mean. Might as well be honest here, right? Go for it. It's like therapy. I bring a lot of stress to the table because of things like you just talked about, Anthony. With, with you know, a, you know, a thousand people could praise you or, or say a lot of nice things about you, but then one or two come through the woodwork and they say something about you, and and it does, or, or whatever. A situation arises where somebody's not happy, and it devastates me. You know what I mean? I, I don't like that, that at all. I don't handle it very well. I, I keep I compose myself well publicly, but this um, one gets the brunt of it, and that's your biggest problem with me is is uh what you how did you phrase it the friend thing or something? <laughs> Everybody has to. What did you say? He he wants everyone to be his friend. There's not one relationship that He's he has. Person. Yeah, there's not one relationship that he has that like should be business it's it's always a friend he always talks to everybody like they're a friend and i think i'm on the other end of the spectrum of oh, that yeah. <laughs> a little bit <laughs> where um i can absolutely differentiate between who's my friend and who i need to talk to like business and that's you know that's where it's a little frustrating with him because i'll say where's the paperwork where's this where's that you know if you have this in mind, then this won't happen. He's like, well, you know, you know. What's and then on? somebody gets mad at you, you know, or me rather, and and, it, and it's I should have listened, you know, you know, type thing. And I gotta, because I, I'm trying to please everybody, I want, I do, I want to be friends with everybody. I, I, I think that's how the world should work in a perfect world, you know. But I get hurt. Out of the two of us, you know, he's definitely the softer on the outside person. And I'm more of like, I've got that tough skin. I'm not saying nothing bothers me, but with certain things, I'm a little bit more, I don't know what to say. Yeah, you know, I'll be like, oh, I don't know, something like, uh, oh, so-and-so reached out and, and they need to rehome, you know, this animal or these animals. And, and, and I agree, you know, we're, we're going to take them in, blah, blah. And, and I'm like, you know, happy to help the person out and excited and, you know, but she's more business. She's like, you, they're going to sign a surrender form, right? They're going to, they're going to do this, right? You're going to, you made sure of that, right? You know, yeah. because things have, things have happened in the past where. Not just know. to, not to us though. But I'm saying with like, that's just a general thing that people need to do. I mean, any rescue does that out there. Yeah. Yeah. I know. yeah. But, um, so 
We have a question from the chat uh, for Chris, actually. Oh, this is Casey's episode. No, it's for both of you guys. <laughs> it's okay. both of you guys, you know? But uh, they, they preface this saying it's kind of an awkward question. I don't really think it is, but um, how does a passion for turtles turn into a, a career, specifically in the case of Garden State Tortoise? I know most of it's volunteer work, though, or side work. So how does uh, your passion for turtles turn into, you know, the career that it has been? Because, like, for instance, I can't do what you do, you know? Like, I... I just can't. Unfortunately, I'm not set up for that. Um, um, I mean, this does go hand in hand because right here, th this is the key right here is that, you know, she's 100% supportive. Now, now, she's an animal person. Of course, she loves animals. She appreciates wildlife. She grew up around farms and in farms. But, you know, the exotic animal industry or, or community, whatever you want to call it, especially something as niche as turtles is 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 very different it's culty <laughs> at times you know what i mean it's very clicky it's very demanding and it takes a special person to fully understand that but that's that's why we work you know what i mean she knows that that was my or is my passion and it has become her passion too so instead of fighting me on it or anything like that she became part of it you know and the best thing i could say is i i don't know without i i got lucky you know what I mean? Like, I don't no, want... No, you, you got lucky, but you're so... Like, when Chris likes something, he's all in. And he's, like, all in. It's... He becomes obsessive in a good way. He's highly self-motivated. You know, if he likes... Uh, like, Herman Storch says he's read every single book. I mean, he... But he does it because he wants to. He likes it. So... I kind of tell him all the time, he's like, oh, you know, sometimes I wish I had a nine to five and I could come home and like not have to work. And I look at him like, you've been fired or quit from every single job you had because you didn't like it. You love this. That's why this mm -hmm. works. You know, he, he's the most dedicated person I've ever met in my life. That That's that's definitely, you know, the other key is, is you know, if you go, whatever you go for in life, you know what I mean? You have you have to put the horse blinders on, and you have to see it, and and that's it. Nothing can stand in your way, trying to go get it. And yeah, I'm the kind of person I, I try to do everything big. You know what I mean? Even even, <laughs> even, even, even you know, the band is the band is not just a local band. We're we're a working band. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, so that that I mean, that's I also that that's, that also adds a lot of stress to our plate. Just that aspect. Just saying. What? <laughs> that you have to do everything. Hey, look, I get up in the morning, I see a box of donuts, oh, I'm not leaving anybody behind. No, he doesn't. <laughs> you know, what if that donut gets thrown out? What if that last donut gets thrown out? What purpose did it serve? Yeah, I know. It didn't make somebody happy. happy. So, yeah, you know, I think we're getting away from this a little bit. Sorry, yeah. That was so sad. That was what? So sad. Look at the other end of it. What if the donut's what if somebody's struggling, they stress you, you know, now you just save them from doing that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, God forbid I buy myself honey. You're going to eat these dark chocolate almonds? No, I'm not going to touch that stuff. I come home, one day, bag gone. I don't have no more dark chocolate almonds. Who did you lose? Jesus. It's not your fault. Well, it's not Chris's fault and Ammo died or something. That's all. Mm. Right? Yeah. Right. He, he found, found a sick turtle, turtle and then had to eat all the almonds. 
It makes yeah, sense. well, I can give you a million and one reasons why he had to have the donut or the ice cream. Oh, please. This is getting fun. This is what I want. Simply because it's there. <laughs> yeah. Reason number one. And there's no argument there. Reason number two. He saw it. Yeah. Anthony, I had... He looked at me. I bought, like... I know this sounds awful, but I had to buy healthy ice cream. So I was like, you know what? I want ice cream, but I don't want to, like, feel guilty. So I bought those, like... And he was like Arctic Zone or whatever, like 150 calories per yeah. pint. So if I ate the whole pint, I'm like, eh. Yeah. I was pregnant when I bought them. Okay. Yeah. He stole yeah. a pregnant woman's ice cream while I fell asleep on the couch, and he didn't even like it. I watched him it open terrible. it. He took a spoonful. He's like, "This is disgusting." I'm like, "Well, don't eat it." And I fell asleep, but I wake up and there's two empty pints in front of me. He <laughs> ate both. And he didn't even like it. It was terrible. <laughs> this is what I wanted to get into. This is what I wanted to get into. Oh, my uh, God. We could go back to the original All right, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. You know, I'm actually It's holy dedication. You have to have a significant other that fully is on board for it. And you have to be ready for challenges. You know, like, I, I, I didn't let anything scare me. Nothing. I, I didn't care, you know, at that time when I was getting started with all this. I mean, I had a lifelong passion for turtles. It started at five years old, and that was it. It just it built and built and built and built and built, and I just said to myself, if I do it this way, then I can be with them 24-7. And that's the only way that it was going to work. Yeah. But there is absolutely nothing easy about it. That, that's what people need to know. But, you know, no job should really be easy. You know, and there's, there's a lot of challenges that come with this, but there's so many pros because, yeah, like, the, you know, I am in charge. I, I am in control to a certain extent, you know. And really, my boss is the animals, and they're not fair. But, you know, whose boss is? Well, you know, without the challenges, it, it probably wouldn't be as much fun anymore anyway. Of course. Yeah, you would get bored. And you know? it's most likely half the nine-to-five jobs you worked were kind of like that. They probably didn't challenge you all that much, knowing you. Right. They challenged, Ibby's video challenged me when they fired me and wouldn't give me my last paycheck and I jumped over the counter. I got that paycheck. He, you've got some fun. But up until then. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Ibby's video? Ibby's video. Yeah. Ibby's. No, I was gonna... fired from the guy the chocolate because he ate the chocolate. No, I fell asleep in the storage room. After you ate the chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that really <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh my god. Frank Burger Red, we were passed out. <laughs> oh, that's your problem. All right, Hang Anthony, future note. When we have yeah. our own facility, do not provide Godiva chocolates for Chris. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 please. It has to be a sweet free. Yeah, sweet free, please. And I'm not going to hire you. I will not hire Frank Burger Red either. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure, because he's a bad influence on Chris. <laughs> that's funny. Was that the name that you just said? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I want to make sure I got that. Okay, so you guys leave. You guys leave for Disney when? Thursday. Thursday. Thursday, as in three days. Yeah, we yeah. a while back uh, from one of our own asking what you guys do about the turtles while you're in Disney. Must have been asking Anthony. Sorry. No, it wasn't. We just, we just we just make sure that they take the garbage out on Wednesdays. We make sure yeah. they feed the dog. We make sure, yeah. 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 Yes. They- <laughs> We have a, like, 
Rapid fire question, question time. time. Casey, what's, what's your favorite, favorite Disney movie? The Star Wars count? No. The, oh. Hell no. no. The, the new three are are Disney no. movies, so well, I, I like, I like no, Steve made a Steve made a website for Street Smart Ventures. That doesn't mean it's a turtle room project. Can I give you a top three? No. Peter Pan. Good. Oh my gosh, that's one of my top three. Okay. Ah, you have a top three. Okay. Of course I do. Geez, but I'm not getting rapid fire questions right now. <laughs> Favorite princess. Cinderella. Why? I've loved her my whole life. I relate. I relate to Cinderella. Oh, Chris makes you scrub the floors. No, you're my. Oh, I thought you were going somewhere else with this, and so did he. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Watch them. Okay. Favorite villain? Mm, I wasn't prepared for that. Oh, I could have answered this so much further. Favorite villain? Uh, You're blowing it. Yeah, oh, I don't know. I'm not a villain person. I love the dynamic of your relationship on camera so much. <laughs> I'm seeing it. What's my favorite villain? Oh, I know mine is all the same. What's yours? The Why? She's so cool. She's kind of cool. You like overaccentuate the left. Maleficent. I'm sorry. Did you want me to say Maleficent? Yeah. Maleficent. I like Maleficent. That's good. There's the little cool. I like his song, Scar. Ooh, Be Prepared? That's a really bad song. No. Tiger. From what's his name? From Jungle Book. Sure. Oh, Shere Khan. Khan. He is so cool. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you know what? I, I'm good. No, you can change George. Just say your graphic. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, Shere Khan just ate the left scent. Now he's my favorite. He's awesome. Cool, like Mabel. He's just, yeah. Favorite, favorite Disney park? Epcot. Favorite Disney ride? Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, good one. Very good one. Okay. I don't normally think of that as a Disney movie, but it is one, so. That's definitely on my top three. I love Pirates. The original Pirates, the first one? Yeah. Well, I like all of them, but yeah. What's the first one? Curse of the Black Pearl. Yeah. Suck it. Nailed it. So. (laughs) Nailed it was better. I should have went with Nailed It. So, Steve, are you stopping our our quiz game, our Disney quiz game? I I was going to throw in something about Pirates of the Caribbean. So, on. 
<clears throat> the last day of our honeymoon, we had done, we'd gone to Yosemite and done all sorts of stuff in San Francisco. The last night we stayed at a hotel down by the airport. And the last day we decided we weren't going to go out and do anything. Pirates of the Caribbean were playing all of them successively on, successively on TNT or something like that. So we ordered room service breakfast, lunch, and dinner while we watched Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean <laughs> movies. <That's awesome>. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to do that. They scare my kids too much at this point, so I don't want oh, to. Stacey yeah. watches, like, Jurassic Park, you know, all the Jurassic Park movies. And I don't know if we're, like, bad parents for that. Oh, yeah. She'll tell her therapist about it one day. So. She growls a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the equivalent of being raised by wolves. It's okay. Yeah. She'll be tougher for it. Okay. It's tough. What's your favorite like Disney movie that nobody's seen that they should watch? Hercules. Hercules sucks, doesn't yeah. it? No, you you know what you guys do think that sucks. I no, told you to watch it, and no, and Shan, was it you or I know Shannon said that it sucks. We yeah, watch it all the time. It's not that bad. Yeah, right? Like then, if you go in the theaters, I felt like you went straight to VHS. No, it was a real movie. No, it, I saw it in the movies when it came out. Late nineties, yeah. late nineties, Disney movies really struggle. Like Emperor's New Groove, uh, Hercules, uh, what am I? Uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like, yeah, those definitely were not the head. Notre Dame. Yeah, they, they struggled. Mulan was a good one. Mulan was the late 90s, wasn't it? Well, Mulan's getting a lot of action, so it yeah. definitely did well. Mulan, you, know, you can't did it do Mulan. well? I just watched the trailer for that, and I was, like, blown away. I was like, you know what? When it first started, I'm not going to watch this. By the end, I'm like, wow, that looks amazing. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm pumped for that. I like the message in Mulan a lot, but, like, why does something about, like, like something set in China have to be so... Americanized with the music and stuff like that. Like, why is Hercules a Motown musical? What the H is that? Yeah, but Disney doesn't do that anymore. They yeah, started, they, they had a they had a period where they tried to mash things together that didn't make any sense. You know what I'm saying? I didn't really think hard about it. I just like like oh yeah, I like music. You know? Yeah, that's why you like it because you didn't think hard about it. And I I challenge you to do a little more thinking <laughs> next time you watch those movies. Okay. Chris looks like he wants to fight me next time we're together, and I'm okay with that. No! I don't even know why my voice just got so hot. <laughs> Chris, it really happens eventually. Don't worry about it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. Minto with the win. Minto with the win. Yes. Oh, man, that's too good. So, are you guys keeping, <laughs> are you guys keeping any terrapins uh, that you find? Uh, we um, no, we we do have confiscated terrapins, but we don't. Um, we haven't had to hold anything back. We, well, we, we held, yeah, we held on to one female for a little part of the season because um, she had an injury that I wasn't sure about. Um, her carapace was cracked um, in the back on the fifth vertebral scoop, so it was like it was hinged, it was healed. There was no infection; it just wasn't hard yet. And I was worried so that it was, down. yeah, I was worried that it was going to heal too close to um, her cloaca and she wasn't going to be able to nest. But um, after observing her and watching her, she she seemed to do all right. So we well, we had the we work with the Popcorn Park Zoo and uh, John Bergman, who owns the zoo, he's he's the one who got me involved with the venomous snake response team. 
But you don't always just get snake calls. You do sometimes get turtle calls. So he got a call for a big female terrapin that was found in the middle of the bay, a floating lopsided. And there, his son, who is like a world-renowned vet, he uh, couldn't get her to respond to any treatment. So they gave her to us to see if she would just kind of live that way. And she she didn't end up making it. But she would. There I was think, no way she could have gone back to life. She could not submerge. No I think what. she ended up on somebody's like crabbing boat, and they just tossed her on the way back from being out in the marsh. It's so really weird. It was too it's high. Like, it was Yeah, I yeah. think it was the salinity of the water, but. So sure. you, do you guys have terrapins? If they come in from a confiscation, then they're just with you, right? There's no. Yes. We had one this year. Are you, are you? Well, just no details, but we had one this year that they turned out to be. We knew where they came from, so they got released. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. But really no, the ones that we have that are like on the Can Can video and stuff, those are with us till they die. You know, there's no. Uh, that was a federal confiscation, and they're not even northern terrapins, you know. So. I just wonder if this will turn into a thing where you have like a huge terrapin haven because of all the terrapin work that you're doing if there are things that can't be released or animals that are found since you're working so closely with New Jersey Fish and Wildlife that where there's not locality data or anything and you're the terrapin people if you're going to end up kind of being a landing spot for Jersey terrapins that don't have a home which seems yeah, we, because you from for all the work you do we were able to um, the Marine Mammal Stranding Center actually donated uh, a 10 foot by 5 foot fiberglass, um, it's actually an old lobster tank that was donated to them from a um, lobster company, but um, so we have that we want to set up in the event, like you said, that we can start taking in a few more terrapins, and this past um, winter, I've been doing a little more networking with the other projects in the state, so we're trying to kind of connect everybody together and get some sort of system going with the, the, the rescue aspect of things. Because there's kind of no, like, um, I call it, like, the underground terrapin rescue because there's so many of us that want to help, and somehow all these phone numbers are everywhere, and people get our phone numbers and say, hey, we have a terrapin, and sometimes it's not a terrapin. Um, I've had people swear up and down, this is a diamondback terrapin I've lived in, on the shore my whole life and I've seen them this is what and then it was a mud turtle like there's just you know it's just tough but that's a lot <laughs> yeah the, the interesting regular slider uh, that we took in this year yeah somebody said hey, those, those aren't over in uh, UK oh yeah that's right it was an eastern box turtle it was, a, it was an eastern box turtle yeah we went, we went out to pick up this. This was the one and only time we were happy because we went to pick up this regular yeah. slider and we thought, oh, my God, here we go. We've been taking in hundreds of these things. Why won't it stop? And we go. We, they bring the box out, and it's a beautiful male Easter box turtle. That was the regular yeah. slider. Yeah. Um, so, Casey, there's a question for you, actually. Sure. Uh, what is... The largest terrapin you've ever measured, carapus length slash baby. Oh, yeah. She knows the answer to that. Yeah, um, the biggest female that I ever encountered was 8.7 inches, and we called her Queen Triton. 
because she was just massive. She was uh, this beautiful chocolate brown, smooth shell. She had to, she had to be ancient. I, I've seen her both seasons now. Um, and I think she laid a 16-egg plush. Wow. Um, but she was just remarkable. Remarkable female. She's actually on my Instagram if they want to look that up. Yeah. Yeah. I would think you'd get them at a high temperature for female just so I could sing. These are the doctors of Trump. No. Hold on. Let me get that story. Baby needs a bottle. Yeah. And was she macrocephalic? Was she macrocephalic? Was she macrocephalic? No. No? Skinny head? <laughs> what? I don't buy it. I see that more. I see that a lot more in like the Gulf Coast area than I do up in Northerns and whatnot. I had to stand up because my butt got itchy. <laughs> okay. Sorry to share that, everyone, but Casey asked. Yeah, she was really, really awesome. I'll, I'll never forget seeing her. I, she usually comes up the same time every uh, season too. She comes up real early, so. When you're putting the uh, the pit tags in, now that that's basically just like an ID, correct? Yeah. Now, are you cataloging any kind of like GPS data with it too? So if you find one that's in a different spot, like your other spots. Um. Yeah. So the way I'm gonna do it um, uh, this year is, I'm probably gonna have, I'm gonna try to have three different teams um, going out. So that I know where my dad is coming from. I'm also going to start plotting on a graph where these girls are coming up. Um, and I know this sounds really crazy, but I know my repeated females, and I have these like vivid memories. And I, and I, when I see a female that I had, oh, I remember her from last year. She was over here, and now she's over there. And so um, we're gonna start logging a little bit more um, information on where they're actually coming up and like where the hotspots are in my locations. So yeah, the pit tags are, um, their ID and we, you know, we send them all into the state and everything. So everybody has their information. Okay. So if like say a poacher is found with an animal in the pit tag, they know it came from you. Absolutely. Yeah. New Jersey's, New Jersey's working on a system. Um, so that like, Whoever's using pit tags or um, is notching, um, they're actually working on a system where we can log in online and or um, via email, and we'll just give them everything we got. And then they're, you know, they would either contact us or figure out some sort of release program uh, for terrapins that have been taken. So, pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, no other questions. Yep, Sorry, Anthony. You said you're going to have three teams. Now, these are people that you've worked in the past. These are volunteers, or is it going to be like, you no, know, you're dedicated to this project. You have essentially the staff that's also dedicated, and they're running those teams. No, honestly, um, Chris is a team. I'm a team. <laughs> Whoever comes down and mm. volunteers. Um, we do a lot of people say, Oh, when when do you need volunteers on the weekends? And I'll say, We do it every day, you know, from start to finish. The whole season is every day in the morning into the afternoon, 
um, were there, were monitoring, were patrolling. So I kind of just work with what I have with who's there that day, and I'm going to be hopping around a lot myself. Um, and like I said, Chris and I will probably split up, and, and he takes a kid, and I take a kid, and we, we don't. So unless I can get you guys down. <laughs> okay. So we're, I'm committing to at least two to three days. I know it's not, you know, the whole No, summer. that's helpful. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I'd like to talk more about like when the busy times are and just like go down for a big chunk of time so that we can help. I, I really, the thing that I thought was really cool when we were down there was how abruptly, and it was the first season of doing this on your own, how abruptly everything starts. Like maybe like you see them hanging out in the water and like just a bunch of like diamondback terrapin heads floating around, which is the first time we see a diamondback in the wild is just insane. And if you don't live in a coastal area and you haven't had a chance to see it, it's just insane. I was on the phone with Charlie um, the last time I was down there with you guys and we were hanging out at the restaurant and I went outside to talk and the restaurant is like right at the water and I'm standing there and there's a diamondback terrapin that surfaces like right in front of me. I like my foot up on the wooden beam like that comes out of the water and just hanging out like right there. Probably should have fell in but didn't. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Like a beautiful diamondback terrapin. Um, but anyway, it happens really fast. Like all of a sudden, like they're hanging out there. Really and got everyone... to see it go from zero to sixty because you were yeah. there right before they came up, and then the day they started coming up. The yeah, next... and it's like, so... oh my gosh, like I don't have a life anymore for the next, you know, however long these things are going to be coming up and nesting every day. Um, and and when that happens, how long does the season last? And do you see it like? trickle off is it like a steady decline from the beginning or is the busiest point like two weeks in or what does that look like <laughs> i would say like you said you know it goes from zero to 60 when you see one female come up then you know okay within the next day or two it's gonna <clears throat> it's gonna be an intense number of females um and i would say it it goes pretty it increases pretty steadily for maybe three four weeks you hit a peak and then there's different peaks yeah mm -hmm. and then it gradually declines um the full moon does do something wacky with with the girls coming up i would say that during a full moon it slows down to almost nothing and then really yeah yeah i've been trying to really look at my numbers and pay attention and it's it, it's definitely affects them in some way oh my uh, gosh you have to write a paper about this i had my first season, remember, it was July, was it July? My first season, I had a whole team of volunteers come down uh, from the Central Park Zoo. And it must have been, I don't know, like seven or eight people that came down to help me. Not one parapet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, yeah. Peak, in the peak of the season. And we yeah, actually... Yeah team that day a full team of people and and on a on a normal day like two days prior to that i could process 50 or 60 females just sitting in one spot on my in my location so yeah, you, I, you do a full moon it they came down i think it was like the day after the full moon they came okay. down there was nothing it was really crazy that's incredible very frustrating. when they nest the most <laughs> 
because the tides come up a little bit higher generally when there's a full moon. So they'll know like that's the highest point. That's why I had a whole team of volunteers come down that day. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's perfect. Because, you know, talking with Kathy Lacey um, and LBI, she, you know, she has been doing this a little longer. And she was telling me, oh, yeah, you know, you're going to get an increase in this. And I remember calling her. She's like, yeah, we, we didn't have a lot today either. I was like, oh, what a, what a weird thing. So over the next couple of years, I want to really figure that one out. That's It was very interesting. That's incredible. I wonder what the pulse was. After the fact, like that day was a bust. Was the season over or no? Pick up? Nope, picked right back up. Like the day after. <laughs> wow. So. I'm wondering if it's uh, just because of the way it affected the tides and whatnot. Yeah. If it just, like, the terrapins were like, you know, we got to bunker down right now. Yeah, and it, you know, it was overcast. Um, so you would think that, you know, late morning or in the afternoon that they would have come up but yeah we didn't have much going on did you um what's it what's funny about them too is um i mean you guys know from being there it gets so hot so yeah. unbelievably hot and i mean you know people watching this that might be from like down south like oh it's not hot up there we have friends come over from florida and they're like it's it's hotter here than it is down down by yeah, us so, you know and you'll, you'll see, see it like, like the, the, when the, the terrapins come, come up onto the pavement, pavement they book it. Yeah. And, and you, you don't, don't think, think they, they can run, run but, but they run. And because the pain is they, they also get um, like, um, like cuts on the bottom of their legs from, I guess, the hot pavement and the rocky substrate. But I mean, they, they go through a lot. Wow. And they have to work really hard to nest really quickly because they don't dehydrate right away. You'll notice we've got the sunken eyes and everything. So, um, I also have some really cool footage um, on my Instagram of a girl coming up during um, an intense thunder and lightning storm, pouring rain. Really cool. Yeah, that was that was fun to watch. Wow, coming up to drink the fresh water. That's incredible. Can you talk a little bit about the? Um, the, the predators, predators that you see. see. I, I know there was a time. time. <laughs> I need to tell the story first. I was waiting for you to bring it up. I need to tell the story first. <laughs> Anthony, so, you're not one of the predators? Uh, oh, no. Although I, I do love a drama. I don't know if knows this story. Did you so, tell Steve this story? I don't think so. Oh, my so God. So we're driving. Was, was it? Who? It was, it was just the three of us, yeah? yeah. We're shannon with, with the kids. kids. My wife was with all of our kids. It, no, no, it was just you, me, Chris, and Cece. Yeah, you were there for training in, in uh, Neptune or something. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. That's, 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 that's right, that's right, okay. So my family was in town, right, okay. So we're driving here in your car, which has, like, the magnets on the side that say, like, Terrapin Nesting Project and the picture of the Terrapin, like, research vehicle and the whole thing. And there's, we're driving down, and, like, as... Casey you mentioned there's these two little strips of dirt that's like a foot wide on either side of this man-made road, and that's where the terrapins nest, which is crazy. Um, and we're going down, and there's a small fox as we're driving from the restaurant. There was two? There was two fox Oh, two of them. I, I only saw one. I only saw one. So we start to slow down, and there's a person watching the fox, because... Who's, who's not, not going to stop and be like, oh my gosh, look at these cute, adorable foxes right here. Were they and we stopped. Yeah. Yeah. 
We, we stop, stop the, the car, car and, and Casey, Casey gets, gets out and she's, she's like screaming obscenities at foxes <laughs> and, and like doing, doing like the like, like the Beavis from Beavis and Butthead, like air like the air kick towards the fox, like get out of here, you sons of you know, screaming at the foxes and scares the heck out of them. And I'm just well, they were digging up a terrapin nest. You have to say that. They, they were, were yeah, of course, yeah, yeah of course. course. And, 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 and the way you told it, it didn't sound like you just stopped. <laughs> yeah, but that was the point. That was the point. And, and I, think I think we had a really good intellectual conversation about it afterwards. About Let's like, be real, like, Anthony. You are silent. I was. I'm not <laughs> done. <laughs> it was really horrible. My belly yeah. was so so big. Yeah, I jumped out of the car before Chris even stopped it fully, and I started yelling at these. Cute, adorable little baby fox pups. Cutest animals ever. While, there's, while there's this poor man is standing there, like, what is this woman doing? And Anthony just gets out of the car and just stands over me and says nothing. It does nothing. He just doesn't know what to do. He couldn't stop me. It was just happening. The guy's facing the other direction in his car. Staring, staring at you in horror, and I, I just, just like rolled down the window and I'm like, hey, how you doing? I need six curls. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but, and those foxes, those, those foxes helped you find them. Because you were in the north. But the main, and the main conversation we had was like, the, the objects of the whole thing and what that poor man was thinking. And if you looked at the car, what are these people doing? I'm going to write them a bad Yelp review. Oh my god. But yeah. Are foxes in the basement here, or are they natural? They're natural. There was, um, they, they lived there all season. There was, uh, I think there was originally three fox pups. One what else are you seeing for predators? Feral cats, let me just say. Feral cats. Don't feed feral cats. Um, raccoons. Um, Two huge, like prehistoric looking raccoons that must be ancient that just live on her legs. Um, they come out during the day, they're so old, yeah. And they know that um, crows are probably my number one um, worst predator, uh, for the eggs. Uh, but then I've got skunk, um, they tend to go out to where my safest zone is they'll mm -hmm. come out at night and, and excavate the nest not one nest stands a chance yeah it's, not crazy. One nest. it's so crazy yeah that's really the majority i would say fox cats uh raccoons skunk uh possums yes. will come out and eat up what's like what's the mess yeah, you know? yeah. um I, can you I get approval to uh, have a heart caps up we're not permitted to do anything like that now, obviously, I use them in our in our yard. Yeah, you know. Now, you're not permitted now. Is that, is that something that could happen? Possible. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of talk um, about wanting to, like, like you said earlier, kind of creating an area where they can nest naturally and have them hatch um, in the locations they were laid. But the issue is there's got to be a lot of talking with. You know, there's not, there's no, nothing natural left for them. So I have to talk with a restaurant or locals that live in the area and, and have them dedicate a space to the terrapins during the season. And even with that, there's so much um, traffic that the areas that I think of using, they've got to get go through 
a parking lot, a busy, busy, busy stone parking lot to, to get there. So it's kind of our, what we do is excavate the eggs to give them some sort of chance. Cause there's really no chance past that. Mm-hmm. Unless you stand out there with a broom shooing everything away all day, every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or just have pregnant ladies do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, there's a there's like a high school by my house where in the back of their field they have all these like uh just these cutouts of like big dogs mm. to like keep other animals off. Right. <clears throat> Things like that may work. Maybe there's definitely uh, you know. The, I mean, part of the, the problem is the restaurants. Yeah, but crows are extremely intelligent. I don't think you're not fooling. Yeah. I mean, they. I I watch. Sometimes I find nests because I watch the crows. Um, they know when a female is finished and starts to do her happy dance over the nest. Like they mm-hmm. wait for it. They mm-hmm. say, "Okay, it's finished. I'm going in now." So it's it's. They're so bad that they've become a problem for Garden State tortoise too. We gotta, you know, we gotta really like have like an impossible amount of you know, legs, because we got to be down the road for the terrapins, but at the exact same time that the crows are going after the nesting terrapins, the crows are in our yard going after the wood turtles, going after the hermit's tortoises, whatever, you know? So, it, I mean, it's it's a phenomenon. They're unbelievable. They're incredibly smart. They talk to each other. You start to learn their calls. You know when they're alerting each other, hey, there's food here, you know? Or, hey, the, the guy who eats all the donuts just left the house. Quick, let's get a towards <laughs> eggs, you know? <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so good! Don't so, like raccoons in the great outdoors. Like, yeah, yeah. I have a, I have a really cute... Those are made up. Okay, go ahead. Right, here's a question. Yeah. And um, then we'll move on from there. We'll see what's going on. So this question is from Dan the Guppy Man, and uh, Dan's question is: Do you feel that head starting terrapins works in your opinion, or does the potential risk of introducing pathogens outweigh the benefit of saving a few individuals? Um, the pathogen thing and the cross-contamination thing, the transfer of viruses, illnesses, you know, whatever, is definitely a real subject, and it's something the Fish and Wildlife is very uh, concerned about, and we, they actually don't want us housing any, ter- any terrapins that are going to be released into the wild babies anywhere near, you know, like the stuff inside the, the building that we use for Garden State Tortoise. Uh, all the terrapin eggs cannot be incubated even next to other species. They have to be in their own closed-in units. Um, so that's definitely an issue. And I do see where it could be a potential problem with head starting them. So that brings me to what we try to do is, you know, luckily where we are down South, the, the season's a little milder, the season's a little bit longer. So we yet, even with all the terrapins that we've patched, we have not had, ha- we have not had to hold any long, longer than releasing them pretty much right out of the egg. Now, there's, there's a key benefit to that that I think a lot of people don't realize, okay? Now, let me start by saying we're not dealing with the bog turtle here. We're not dealing with a cora species where there's, like, nothing right. left. And every single animal has – we have to ensure their survival, okay? The terrapin is an important factor to the uh, salt marsh ecosystem, okay? So by us – yeah, yeah, by us releasing all these hatchlings, these hundreds, even thousands of hatchlings – some might say, oh, but they're so young. Well, don't you want to head start them first? The pathogen issue, there's, there's a c- couple different issues that come along with head starting them and raising them in captivity for a little while. By releasing them immediately, they're doing what nature intended, okay? Mm-hmm. 
And because we're dealing with an animal whose numbers are still strong in certain areas, like the spots that we work in, we're helping the ecosystem. Okay, we're giving the shorebirds something to eat. Yeah. You know, that might sound harsh, but it's the circle of life. You know, since we're talking about Disney. I mean, if you think about it, you know, the, the predators that we deal with on land, we have raccoons that are way too many of those. Um, feral cats, which are invasive. Um, the, the fox on my road, there's people that um, feed them, so they're very used to people, which is, that's awful. There's not a good shot for them to make it successfully um, out of the egg. So all we're doing is making sure that they survive out of the egg and make it into the marsh so that they can continue this, this circle. And, and like you said, said, it's not, we're not only hatching 50 turtles and trying to release 50 turtles. We're hatching hundreds of hatchlings. So it's giving them a, a better chance to do what they're supposed to do. Okay. I have uh, a comment. Okay. I was going to say, I want to add into that. Uh, in the universe, right, hypothetically, you had started all of the animals yeah. to a point where they're not being eaten by the shorebirds and whatnot. Right. Is there, is there a chance of, like, ruining the ecosystem there by overpopulating others? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and especially, you know, like, Kathy is doing a higher volume of terrapins uh, hatching them since 2011 down there. But she's dealing with an island where these things all but disappeared. Okay. Right. So what she's doing now, she's bringing them back. So she's restoring a, a somewhat of a balance to the ecosystem there. We're trying to keep it as it was. Okay, We've got an influx of crows, an influx of people, an influx of raccoons that, like I said, are coming out the, during the day or the size of the Siberian Husky. You know? Roadkill was a major issue, Yeah, so, you know, we're releasing these babies back into the salt marsh where we still have a stronghold of these animals, and they're continuing on. It's kind of a, um, I guess the best way to put it, it's kind of a continuation of what would be going on if we weren't intervening in some form. And again, the shorebirds, the blue crabs, the, you know, all different kinds of things are benefiting from these large numbers of baby terrapins being back into the marsh as opposed to none, okay? The only, the only animals that are getting fed are the crows and raccoons because they're taking all the eggs out. And you've seen it. You guys have been there. There is literally no nest that makes it. It's unbelievable. It's a massacre of eggs. It falls yeah. all over the ground. You know? Yeah. Now... I have, I have a question, question. It's, it's something, something that I thought about in the past, uh, scenting. So, oh, yeah. a lot of animals that they're finding, they're finding because of the scent. It's seeding animal laid eggs. The raccoons, yeah. Yeah. Sure, yeah. But hypothetically, right, you sent it a, like a nesting spot. Mm -hmm. And you make sure you wait long enough until the crows don't know it's there anymore. They can't pinpoint it. And then the scent's gone because you put stuff over it. Is that something that's feasible? There's, there's I think theories. it would be, but... but um, you know, where our location is, I've seen, um, there's, because there's not a whole lot of areas for <laughs> nests, they are nesting right next to each other. So, I know this raccoon lives by this sign and comes out and just excavates the whole area. He's not, he doesn't need, to, he doesn't need to use that sense because... He knows, I mean, I know this raccoon is, trust me, you would never forget him. Um, they just, they go to town. They know where it is. They come up, they're like, oh, yep, they're always here. I'm going to dig up here. Um, the same thing with my, my safe zone. I know that the, 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 there's skunks back there, and they just rip the whole area apart. They find 
um, you know, know where, where the impression is in the sand, sand and they just go for it. So, so I, 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 that's my, I, ideally I would love to have them hatch where they were, they were laid, um, but I haven't come up with a way yet that I think would be successful or even a little bit successful where I am. It's, it's a difficult, difficult spot. spot. Yeah. yeah. Very difficult. Yeah. Beautiful, but difficult. Well, I think that's a good time to close this up, guys. Thanks, Kev. Yeah. Thanks, Kev. Finally hit a stopping point. <laughs> 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 uh, great show, you know. guys. Lots of great information. Um, I'm going to throw our, our the new logo for the project up on the screen for all of our uh, viewers again. So, the what was formerly the Terrapin Nesting Project is now the Terrapin Conservation Initiative. If you've been really excited about what Casey's been talking about doing tonight, you can hop over to our website, go to theturtleroom.com slash conservation, click on the Terrapin Conservation Initiative page, and you can donate to our work with Diamondback Terrapins there on our website. Um, we're just about to start buying supplies for the season because we got to be ready to go in just a couple months. So time to amp up and get ready f to excavate a billion turtle eggs and mm -hmm. chase away crows and raccoons and everything else and <clears throat> save the terrapins. Yes. They do help. They go specifically to products like this that... You know, every dollar really doesn't matter. And you can make a note on that, right? If you want to make sure that your well, donation goes to... If you go to the to the Terrapin Conservation Initiative page, the form there is designed for things to go into the fund for this project. That's awesome. So if you like Chris and Casey and you think maybe they're a little bit attractive and you really want them to know your name... Go ahead and, and drop a little donation there that, that they'll be sure to remember. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> he really paints a picture, doesn't he? He's great. I love it. Oh, borderline inappropriate. Don't forget to get your 2020 calendar if you haven't either. That money goes to all of our projects, too. Steve just ignores me. It's my favorite. It's my favorite thing. Oh, <laughs> that Hey, we got to get our plugs in before we get off the air, man. It's I January. Agree. I agree. I love you all. Ditto. Indeed. Thank you for joining us, Casey. I know <laughs> I know you, you were a little nervous me. about doing this, but it, I, it was really great to have you on, and I hope we can uh, do it again and give people an update um, in the fall or even next next winter. Oh, yeah, yeah I would love that. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Indeed. So um, we're signing off. Thank you for joining us, everybody. And uh, we'll see you in four short weeks. Uh, the next show is scheduled for the first Monday in February. And I believe we're going to have a monk as our guest. So you're not going to want to miss that. You're not going to want to miss that. He is brilliant and amazing. It's going to be tremendous. Very right. cool. Have a great night. Night, guys. Night. Night.